This is the Worker Experience, a podcast that's speaking directly to employees. Hosted by Edgar Jatu, Executive Director of Workplace Fairness, an advocacy organization that developed and maintains the number one free online resource for workers' rights information. Let's get to work. At the core of our mission, Workplace Fairness aims to provide workers with free and accessible information on their rights as an employee. This information and our legal resources aim to help workers navigate difficult employment situations and protect themselves and others against unfair treatment. During a recent Workplace Fairness event, I had the privilege of meeting Kim Williams. Kim came to our website for information on her rights as a worker while facing a workplace issue. Thankfully, the site had the information she needed to address the dilemma. Because of this outcome, Kim decided to get more involved with our organization, and we are thrilled to be speaking with her today about her experience utilizing Workplace Fairness's resources and how HR professionals can best support workers on the job. Instrumental in fostering Walker Advertising's inclusive and award-winning culture, Vice President Kim Williams is responsible for all aspects of people operations. Recognized for her integrity and interpersonal skills, Kim has also been acknowledged for her creative approaches to recruitment and retention. She has an unparalleled reputation for navigating turbulence and change, as well as nurturing positive relationships with colleagues at all levels of an organization. She began her HR career as a diplomat with the U.S. Department of State, where she tackled complex personnel challenges, negotiated at the United Nations in Vienna, and received awards for her precedent-setting work in diversity and inclusion. With a passion for community service, Kim, Kim lives Walker's unique core values that hold social responsibility and innovation as foundations for growth. Kim, thank you so much for joining our show today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So, um, Kim, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work you're currently doing? Yeah, happy to. So I'm a VP of people for Walker Advertising. So we're an advertising company out of Los Angeles, but I'm based here in Washington, D.C. And um, it's a great small company of about uh, 200 people. Um, We've won a, a couple of awards for Best Place to Work. So I'm pretty proud of that, pretty proud of our culture. And it's uh, my first private sector job. I've spent most of my career working um, in public agencies. So it's been an exciting transition. That's awesome. Um, And how long have you been at Walker now? About a year and a half. Nice, nice, nice. Um, And so what makes it a great great place to work? Um, Definitely the people, the culture, a commitment from the top um, to kind of uphold certain values. We try to bake it in through the employee life cycle right from the start. So, you know, when we interview folks, we talk about how important this is to us and we evaluate based on that. And likewise, in the rare instances, you know, if things aren't going great with the culture, if we've got, you know, someone who may not be living those same kind of values, um, we're really quick to address it. You know, we don't run from hard conversations, which I think is really key um, in making sure you're engaging people quickly. And not just that you're addressing that immediate problem, but it's such an important signal to everyone else that you care about this and you mean it. 
Yeah, no, that's that's mm-hmm. awesome, and that, that certainly helps with not not only creating a healthy work environment, but some a place that people feel proud to work work at. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's a treat to have you on because you know it's very rare that we get to speak to people that use our site as a consumer. And so, why don't you um, talk about how you came across workplace fairness? Oh, I think it was a desperation. Um, <laughs> so it was, uh, um, you know, for, for me, it was so interesting because, you know, I, I, had, I had this career in HR where I had done a lot of work around investigations and I had kind of started or began my HR career in the federal government where I worked with some pretty amazing people that were very committed, you know, to taking care of the workforce. They didn't run from hard conversations. And then I ended up working for some smaller agencies that didn't kind of embrace that philosophy. And so I ran into a situation where I ended up working for a boss who was a a highly valued employee, you know, top of an organization um, who had been bullying people. um, I think it had been 30 years by that point. And I remember going to the board directly and kind of following my own internal processes of this is how we address things. And some board members were sympathetic, but the majority did not want to do anything. Um, they knew about the problem, but they said, you know, this individual took care of them and, and they were fine with that. And I think this was such an eye-opening experience for me to, to really wake up to this idea that a lot of organizations may do this. You know, if it's a janitor or someone of low rank, they'll take swift action. But if someone, you know, who is like, you know, a top ranked salesperson or someone right. who's considered high value, right. there's a different set of rules. And it was also tricky for me in HR because how do I open an investigation when I'm the complainant, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> now it's tainted. And, and so I was in this very lost space. And what was fascinating was for the first time in my life, I was now looking up like, you know, what do you do with a bully boss? And the advice out there was garbage (laughs) and I think a lot of it is actually written by HR people who you know don't want you to engage or trained by attorneys who were kind of built to protect the company Um, and all of it was like do yoga learn how to accept you know (laughs) that your your life is ruined and find another job (laughs) and then you know it, it was continuing to search that I came across your site and it was the first site that I came across that I actually offered some type of meaningful advice and that, you know, pointed you to information that a brought me comfort, made me feel like I wasn't alone and, yeah. you know, talked about some of the the litigation and things like that, that also made me feel like there are people out there fighting this, um, but really helped me just dig to that messy emotional space to really organize my thoughts and, and, and think about it in this entirely yeah. new way. Well, that's awesome here, and I'm sorry you had to go through that, but you know, I, I'm happy to hear that the that the end of the tunnel was finding our website that was helpful to you. So, Kim, in your dual role as not only a as an HR professional and also someone who has experienced herself um, workplace issues, why do you believe it's important for workers to have access to resources like the ones at, at Workplace Fairness? I think in part because your employer will likely know more than you as an employee. You know, you may deal with a harassment claim once or twice in your life. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with it all the time. Right. Uh, they have outside attorneys, they have resources, and they're not going to share that with mm-hmm. you. And so this is kind of an opportunity to, to level the playing field 
um, so that you're not maneuvering in the dark. And there are so many critical steps that you can take right at the very beginning. And you guys outlined some of that on your website, like how to take detailed notes, how to do these things that protect yourself short term. And then, you know, God forbid things go into a really bad place. Um, You'll be even more protected if it does go into like a formal complaint or a lawsuit, like a lot of these are now. Um, And then you could potentially be helping others down the road too. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and I like what you said about, you know, as a worker, you know, the hope is that you never have to go through this stuff, right? But when you do, you know, you're at a tremendous deficit because you're not, you're new at this, right? Um, having to worry about filing complaints or, or dealing with, you know, a toxic work environment, but the employer, you know, they do this stuff all the time, right? And, and, and if they don't, they can, they can go out and get the resources to help them, right? And um, so it's really important that workers um, have the ability to at least know what they're getting themselves into uh, and, and understanding what their, um, what their pathway is to hopefully resolving, um, their issue, or at least having some peace of mind, right? Um, we'll have to make decisions at the end of the day of each, you know, when we, when we encounter these things, because of all the other things you mentioned around, you know, your livelihood and this understanding your, your risk tolerance, you know, that's something that I think sometimes understated. So that's, that's an important point. So um, what advice do you have to workers, whether it's, they're doing harassment, discrimination, or pay disparities um, in terms of submitting complaints to their employers uh, around around those issues? I think it's really kind of um, two things. Um, One, if I get even a whiff of a potential problem with someone, whether it's for somebody else or myself, I immediately start a log. I start time stamping things. Um, Because this kind of does two things. It helps me get clarity so I can speak to just the facts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, start kind of pulling emotion out of it. So, you know, time, date, witnesses, just very, just the facts, ma'am, kind of structure um, to give you kind of an outline. And then I look at their policies. Um, I know everyone gets a handbook on their first day and they throw it away. They don't open it. They don't look <laughs> at it. But when you get to these kinds of complaints, there's so much power in knowing those words. Yeah, because, you know, everyone's required to talk about this kind of stuff. They're supposed to outline, you know, what they're going to do in response. And the more you can match that wording word for word when you bring it up with your employer, like it puts them on notice. It lets them know, you know what you're talking about. Right. Um, And so if you've got a good HR person who's fighting for you, they'll be like, good, you know, and then that helps them work through the whole process. And if they're a bad HR person who just hopes you'll go away, you know, you might be able to make the hairs on the back of their neck stand up a little bit <laughs> by, by, by speaking their language. Because, you know, in, in a lot of areas, and I'm, I'm not an attorney or, or offering legal advice, but, you know, um, it can be a breach of contract. That document is not just for you. It's also for them. And if they don't follow their own policies and their own rules, they can be on the hook for that. Yeah, no, that's very true. You know, um, like in many places, handbooks are not contracts, but they, but, but it is understood that with a handbook, uh, you know, particularly if you're looking at applying a policy equally around every, to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't do that, you know, per your handbook, uh, as an employer, um, an employee can use that against you um, when when filing a lawsuit, particularly a discrimination lawsuit. Right? That's where typically that can be a very powerful piece of evidence. Uh, yeah, so that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, from your perspective, um, 
you know, most HR teams are trained to protect the company. How do you think HR professionals can, um, can not only protect the business, but the people as well? Yeah, I mean, they really should be. You know, I've worked with attorneys on kind of both sides of it. And there are some, you know, management side attorneys that do take that view, you know, that like, you're going to write that check at the end of the day if you're not doing the right thing. And they right. they try to persuade employers um, to kind of follow their own rules and follow the, the guidance out there and make sure that they're aware of the dangers of not right. doing that. But I do think HR can do more. You know, um, a lot of times HR is struggling within an internal power dynamic um, where they're reporting up to a chief executive. You know, I've said right. in some companies, you know, if you get a discrimination or harassment claim anything that could be pretty scary or that involves an executive, it gets ripped out of HR's hands and sent right. out to an outside attorney. So, you know, I think it's so important now for HR to be that strong advocate, you know, to be negotiating and building those relationships internally to earn that trust. So when a hard conversation comes up, you know, you're the respected go-to and you're listened to in that space. And then I also think HR you know, anyone who's working that field constantly has to be assessing themselves, Right. you know, um, because, you know, I know it's predominantly, it's a woman dominated field. Mm, and a lot of times, okay. you know, they may be reporting up to men who have very different life experiences or may not have been subjected to these, some, some of these things. And it doesn't always fall along gender lines. You know, I've come behind men who knew there were problems and didn't do anything because they were scared right. and right. some of them contributed to it. Um, but I think, all of us need to be looking at ourselves too. You know, um, I recently read an amazing book called White Women. I'm, I'm making everybody read this book and it talks about all the subtle ways that I could be causing harm or not paying full attention to other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's a field that's still dominated by a lot of white people who need to be looking very hard at themselves and constantly challenging themselves to make sure that they're not perpetuating anything in addition to a system that's already right. kind of stacked against an employee. So I do think there's a lot of work for, for HR to do um, that can make things better for sure. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And, and you know, the final question I have is, you know, is there anything in the training that HR professionals receive, particularly early on in their career, that can help um, them get to this point as they mature in the, in the um, industry? You know, that is such a, a great question. And in my view, no, they don't get enough training, you know, and I think so often, and we've seen this a lot around DEI, where like everything is built to, okay, train everyone in the company, but say you've got a thousand people in the company, but you've got like a leadership team of 12 and they're all above you. Mm -hmm. What do you do if they say, no, I'm not going to do this training? Right, you know, right. <laughs> so, and um, and I think that's where HR training is lacking. You know, like I do think as a prof profession, we should be declaring exactly what you said. Protecting the employee is protecting the company. And, you know, we're not just in kind of like a servant role, you know, right. um, an assistant role to protecting people and kind of making things go away. You know, we really need to assert ourselves more is like our job is to make sure things are evenly applied. Yeah. And then, you know, so to make these bold, you know, declarations as a profession and to train for that, you know, to train for, yes, this is tough. Yes, you are going to run into situations. I have, you know, I've had right. bosses who screamed at me, who threatened my job because I'm, 
saying, no, we have to address this complaint and they don't want mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Um, and so these are the spots where HR people can end up. They actually deal with tons more retaliation than people realize. Mm. And um, and so helping them through those those spaces, because there's a little bit of a black hole in both support and training there. Yeah, you know, it, that that is interesting you say that because uh, I don't think people realize that. Um, and 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 even even myself who's in this, you know, general field, you know, I didn't really think about that, that, you know, the, an HR person might feel that they're being pulled in many different directions because they think they want to do well and, and do good by people. You know, they, they feel they want to help the employee, but they have to also manage you know, mm -hmm. the company's risk. And then you have these sort of management officials that are not really um, into um, dealing with, you know, difficult situations, dealing with people. And so their jobs, you know, might be at risk because they're trying to, like, even if they're just being neutral, they're trying to do their job. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, and they might face retaliation. So that's very interesting. You know, do you, so would you say that they, it's more likely than not that most HR professionals have had their, have had to face retaliation or, or that their jobs are at risk? Yeah, I think, I think two things kind of emerge. So I think in some cases, you'll have a company where they'll hire an HR person to almost be the mom, you know, like yeah, yeah. plan the birthday parties, <laughs> and like, you know, do the admin pieces. Right. And they're just not going to be equipped to yeah. do that. And it's also, you know, this is a generalization, but more likely they'll be afraid to engage in that space, right. you know, and it'll be a sharp change in dynamics to all of a sudden go, Hey boss, you know, we're getting into hard stuff, legal stuff. Yeah. And they kind of engage on the soft things. So there's a lot of that out there, particularly in some smaller companies that can definitely be a problem. Um, but then absolutely, you know, I'm on a ton of private threads where, you know, there are a lot of tears shed, you know, mm. where, um, and I ended up in that spot myself, you yeah. know, you're, yeah. you're totally alone when that happens. And a lot of times, like you're looking for other people and you're just having to say, OK, this is an integrity issue. But there's been a lot of times where I've made decisions where I felt like I'm definitely putting my head on the chopping block. I'm going to get fired at the end of this conversation. Wow. But I think for me, if I can't do that, if I can't say this out loud when I'm the only person in the room thinking it, then why am I here? And if it's scary for me, then it's obviously scary for the person you're raising the issue for. Right. And and what I would hope and what I had to remind myself through my own process is that you're not the only one that's scared. Believe it or not, the bosses are scared, too. A lot of times if they're lashing out, it's because they're scared. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And, and I think HR people have so much more leverage. They just need to remind themselves of that, you know. EEO language is very clear, you know, yeah. it's not just your, it's protected activity to complain, but it's protected activity to investigate, to move right. that complaint yep. forward and to, and to declare, you know, this is the correct state of action. I can't support something that's not. Yeah. And I always put it in writing and that, that, <laughs> yeah, that tends to get people into that, you know, <laughs> and they know that's discoverable and that, that puts it out there. So remember that you have those protections. I also think it's really important for HR folks to engage an attorney. You know, I ended up having to do that with mine, you know, even if it's nothing more than a lot of them do free consultations, just get that early right. advice, get your head on straight, you know, figure yourself out from there um, and then document just the same advice we give everybody else that right, we don't right. ourselves. 
and um, and go through that process of protecting yourself and you know preparing for that long term process, you know keeping feelers out for other jobs. But yeah, it is it's extremely common on these kind of closed sites for people say, you know, I raised this issue and I was demoted. I yeah. raised this issue and now I'm not, they excluded me from the process. So, yeah, no, that's, that's tough and, and that's awful. And, you know, it, it, it kind of dawned on me that I think a general piece of advice I might want to consider giving HR professionals is just having someone to, like a relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. And and someone you can talk in confidence with and make sure you make your making the right calls and, mm-hmm. and, and that can have your back when it's time comes because, uh, you know, it, you know, because at least if somebody speaks your language, but can actually help do something about it, Yeah. you know, um, and, and, and not to say that the, the threads and the professional advice is important, right? You need to not, I think that's important for your professional sanity, you know, yes. and, <laughs> you, know yeah. you, don't, you don't feel alone and you have, and there are other professionals that can tell you from a, Pure mm-hmm. professional standpoint, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? We need to consider, and maybe having an attorney that you can say, "Hey, look, I, you're the person I come to when I think my job is in jeopardy. If I need to understand the legality of my actions, you know, like, you know, what might happen here, you know, and also if I need to negotiate my exit, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're the person that I will come to to negotiate my exit. Um. <laughs> yeah, and 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 for me, I do. You know, mine obviously ended that way. You know, it yeah. became untenable. You know, we went through an investigation and they came back and said, you know, oh, no, we found no evidence of retaliation. Um, we consider the matter closed. You know, I negotiated an exit. And uh, but I do think it's still important to try and engage as much as possible yeah. because there's so many folks out there. The go to advice is go get another job. But if everybody's just going from one job to another, yeah, yeah. we're not fixing the problem. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It- um, it's so true, uh, you know. It and and to your point about that, it the difficult conversation just gets kicked down the road, and either the next person has to yeah. try to face it, or just as a as an ecosystem, right? You know, like yeah. the whole system doesn't benefit, right? If you know if that's just a mantra, even for the other people, right? They're not just HR, but just anyone, right? You, you face mm-hmm. a bad situation at your job, then you just have to leave, right? That's not you know always a good response. <laughs> No, it's not. And it can end up just hurting you. You know, yeah. like so many times people can be, oh, well, why did you leave a job after? Like, it, it's so horrific, but like, that's kind of the way this system will further punish someone. So if you do quit a job within, say, three months because of a toxic environment, um, on paper, it looks like you're the problem. And so right, right, you're right. Now having to navigate that. And it, that's really unfair. Yeah. 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 Let me ask this question because we, we talked about, uh, you know, HR professionals and the unique role of the company and some of the issues that they, they deal with, you know, to try to promote workers' rights. Um, are there any other issues that HR professionals are facing today um, more than ever before? Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of those things that we definitely covered, I mean, not only they too are employees and they too are yeah. kind of navigating through some of this I think some opportunities for HR folks is we're starting to see much better people analytics come out. And so I think that there's ways to build cases, you know, at the the top level of an organization that really encourage a better culture. 
Um, one of the things I like to talk to folks about is performance metrics and, and the high cost of the brilliant jerk. Um, because <laughs> for years, you know, you'll have that one guy that everybody hates and he's a nightmare or her, you know, and but they bring in, say, like a million dollars in sales and so yeah. they're the golden child. And so they're, they tend to be fixated on what that individual is contributing. But if you look at, say, 12 individuals around them whose lives are ruined because of right. this terrible individual, <laughs> they're not working at 100 percent. Yeah, they're probably working 50 to 60 percent. So take those 12 salaries, cut off 40 percent from the top. That's what you're throwing away by keeping that person on board. And if they're supervising others, there's a ripple effect. They're not going to be able to give as much to their employees because right. they're either checked out emotionally, calling in sick, trying to avoid this guy, looking for another job, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's the, quite, the client clinic phenomenon. All that, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's also lost opportunity costs. So I think, you know, there would be there's a lot of opportunity for us to start quantifying the damage. Yeah. yeah. I think makes sense. And then. Following news reports, you know, I actually keep Google alerts feeds on, you know, race discrimination and on Me Too. And every week there is an astonishing jury award, you know, yeah. Yeah. and in places people don't always think. I mean, Texas, I don't know if you saw that with a FedEx employee just a few weeks ago, yeah. $366 yeah. million. Like yeah. if that doesn't get your boss's attention. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, it common discussion that I have, you know, in my other work is, you know, the, the explanation of, look, whatever decision you make now, even if you don't like it, it will be way cheaper mm-hmm. than going to court. Like, yep. even, even if the case is not a meritorious one, even if there's, there's no weaknesses in the, in the case, right, um, or in the, in the employee's um, complaints, whatever you Whatever you don't do now to, to try to address it um, will cost you more in the long run. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it's a very difficult conversation. You would think that's an easy conversation to have, but it's very difficult because, you know, you know as you alluded to earlier, you know, the management team is also people too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and particularly in the workplace environment where you get to know each other, it's almost like a family dynamic. Um, it, it's almost as if, business feeling of well this person is trying to get one something over me yeah right or or they call me these things that i'm not right and and that's sort of the conundrum with a lot of our employment laws is that you know good people make these bad mistakes in employment in employment decisions right they're not necessarily yeah. bad people in life but they made a bad choice right they made a mistake right um and and they feel as if well because i made a mistake now i'm being called you know, this or that. And I'm like, well, take that out of it, right? Let's just look at the objective end here and wonder to yourself, could I have made, could I have done this better? And if, and if I can, if the answer is yes, well, then let's address it like right, from an object, objective perspective. You know, the other stuff, you know, hey, you know, that's, that's just part of the, that's part of what it is, right? It, you, you can't really change that. Um, you know, but what you can change is how you deal with the problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is wonderful advice. I really love that about taking that out of the equation because people do get hung up on what does it say about me and and just trying to get this back into like a cold, hard math place, which a good functioning HR does. They're there to take the emotion out of it and keep things moving. Um, And so that is really key. And 
And I also think, you know, too, if you don't address it early, Gen Z will, you know, I mean, like I, I there was that one horrible viral video that came out recently. I think it was in Arizona. It was on a construction site where this man is screaming obscenities, goes to slap this woman. You know, I think he just, he still ends up hitting her hand or something. I mean, 8 million views. Like, you know, you want to talk about financial carnage, yeah. like his career is over rightfully. Yeah. And that yeah. company for contracting him will be cleaning that up for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you make a great point. And, and I think to this question, one thing I would say is that I think HR professionals have to be more mindful about the reputational impact mm -hmm. um, of decisions, even if, you know, it used to be that if you're a big company, you know, you're, you're easy targets for this stuff, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, um, if someone's trying to um, wage a campaign and, you know, you're a big company, uh, you know, you can be seen as, okay, well, this, they're the ones setting the, in this industry so they're the ones who are going to put in all the posters and all the you know uh, materials now even if you're you know a a bar in a, in a town like if you make a poor hr decision mm -hmm. you know all it takes is for something to be uploaded onto any social media platform and it goes viral right it and, does. Yeah. um and and most Americans are outraged by that stuff. You yeah. Know? I mean, because so many yeah. have experienced it. Yeah. And so yeah. it's very personal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it can, you know, it can be really pretty damaging. So I, you know, I, so I think that's something that each of us have to be, you know, mm -hmm. um, readily um, understanding of when I think when they give advice to um, their companies about, hey, you know, on the small scale, it's, you know, people, both bad, bad reviews about us and people might not, not make it those candidates for recruiting, you know, or, we, or people will start leaving um, yeah. to the, yeah, it goes viral, this decision, um, and then you have to, they have to hire a PR firm, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it goes back to my original point, yeah. whatever you do now, be way cheaper than the alternative. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like in that, that viral video, firing that guy would have cost you nothing. Yep. <laughs> but, yep. Right. That's free, you know, I mean, basically, you know, but it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a huge difference. And I think that goes back to your point too, about that is protecting the employee and equating that to protecting the company. Yeah. And that's good yeah. language. I, I think in a lot of cases too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to workers who have experienced mistreatment at work, but are hesitant to report it? Um, to remember they're not alone. I mean, I remember, um, I think last year, Glassdoor did a survey, CBS, uh, one of the major networks had covered yeah. it, like 60 million Americans have experienced or witnessed, you know, workplace abuses. So that's not a small number. No, no not at all. And, you know, I know before you had mentioned that term about risk tolerance, which is really, really critical because, you know, yeah. we see that happen too, where even me privately, somebody will come to me with a complaint and I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, his, his name has come up before, but then everybody will back out at the last minute for fear and it yeah. makes it, and I can't move forward without something, you know, and yeah. so it can get really, really challenging and I can't have a conversation like, oh, come on, you know, I know. He's yeah, 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 yeah. And that can yeah. further fuel um, fear when it's looking like kind of a clinical whole process. Um, 
But I think the more bravery you can have, the more you can write things down, mm -hmm. the more protected you are. Because as soon as you make that complaint, there is a bubble around you, whether you feel it or not, whether that company yeah. is smart enough to recognize it or not. And it puts something on the track that can either be immediate or it can be long term. But if you've declared a position and they took no action, you have a you have a case. You know, yeah. you can now yeah. take that to EEOC or your state agency or an attorney. And, and that's why it's really critical to do that in writing. I personally love writing because if you're nervous to have a hard conversation in a power dynamic that doesn't face you, you could stumble over your words. You, yeah, you may yeah. not get it right, but writing, you have 80 shots, as many shots as you want right. to get that down. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a record, you yep. know, and nobody yep. can go back and say they weren't informed. And if you're truly scared, I mean, my goodness, you can ask chat GPT, like write a letter to my boss. <laughs> hey, you did this bad thing and let them help you. And, and, you know, if you if you don't have a trusted confidant or expert who's on your side there, that's a good place to start. And then weave in that company policy language. You know, you yeah. can probably yep. base that. So you don't have to be alone going through it. Um, so yeah, no. Yeah. And and to your uh, point about not being alone, you know, there might be times where um, it's a it's a mistreatment issue that affects more than just you. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it's you and and a number of other people, even just one other person, right? If you go complain together, that gives you mm -hmm. even more protection, um, even if you're not in a union environment under the National Labor Relations Act, right? And so, yeah. uh, so to your point about strength in numbers, you know, you know, that, you know, or not going alone, um, having strength in numbers is also effective, can be effective. Yeah. Um, if, there's, if there's more than one person that, that is um, facing this mistreatment at work, uh, so that's something I would also encourage people to do is, is get allies, you know, yeah. and and whether that's a colleague that will complain with you or put their name on something or even people in management you know, or or HR that see, you know, the, the issue for what it is and, and has to be addressed. And if you have a, if you have people who can um, have that difficult conversation in a different way mm -hmm. um, with the person that is causing the mistreatment, um, that also is powerful, too. Yeah. And even kicking it over to writing, I've had to do that, you know, with yeah. a difficult boss. I said that I prefer to keep our communications in writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't yell at me now. Yeah, <laughs> right, know? right, right, right. So, yeah. yeah, no, I love that because you're, you're so spot on with that. You know, if somebody's mean to one person, it's it's never just one person. Yeah. You know? If you've gotten away with it before, it, the, the, the behavior doesn't improve. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. They, those folks tend to just feel more empowered and you know I mean there could always be that case where like you're the one woman on an all-male team that gets singled out but you know odds are that bleeds into other parts of the company um, too so yeah, yeah that's a great point yeah so Kim thank you so much for all that you have um, contributed today in terms of sage advice for workers and HR professionals and companies alike uh, any final thoughts on what workers need to know about HR's role in the workplace or the reporting process in general? Yeah, um, you know, that that HR, however HR is functioning, it's usually bigger than that. Um, I, I remember reading an article once that um, if your HR shop is terrible, so is your CEO, because mm. um, a lot of times that's by design, you know, either yeah. they're 
they've hired them to plan parties or, you know, to host <laughs> birthday cake time and, but not to do kind of serious <laughs> work. Um, and so they're not trusting them. They're not respecting them. They're not empowering them. Um, and so there are ways you can still navigate that space and feed HR things, knowing that HR is not the last stop on that kind of train, if you will, yeah. that, that HR will still be having to engage inside counsel, outside counsel, executives. So as they go down the road, how can you arm them if, if they're not effective? Right. <laughs> and I'm, I hate that for you if they are, but there are ways you can still protect yourself and the way you frame your arguments, how you present yourself. If you come mm -hmm. across as calm, reasonable, you're stating how the situation is affecting you, you're citing company policy, that is really strong stuff. Yeah. So much stronger than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah. Because internally, that group of whoever is evaluating this case, they're going to base their actions on yours. So how yeah. you show up mm -hmm. will either present a, a real threat of like, oh, my God, this person would look like this in front of a jury. Oh, my God, right, this right. person, yeah. if they took it outside, if news got a hold of this, if this was discovered and they presented this in this fashion, we're screwed. And that's where I think employees always have some sort of power yeah. um, in terms of how you frame that initial complaint and, yeah. and to get help if you need it. Because um, it is tough stuff, but yeah. Yeah, it, you know, for better or for worse, um, there is something to be said for a sympathetic plaintiff, you know, that, that most people can say, okay, this is a story that I can believe, I can believe this person. Mm -hmm. And the minute that you start thinking about a complaint and making it known that you have a case, that you believe you have a case for mistreatment, you are um, auditioning for what kind of plaintiff you'll be mm -hmm. in the long run. Um, and, 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 and unfortunately that matters, you know, and I've seen situations where, you know, someone was truly wrong, but they just were not, you know, a sympathetic plaintiff, you know, whether it was their personality or maybe they did some things that were not um, um, the most savory, you know, but you're like, wow, this person really just, you know, needs to be, you know, you know, whatever happened to them needs to be fixed. But, you know, they can't get past the fact that no one believes them or trusts them. Right? And that's, that stinks. But that is the unfortunate way that human beings think about things. Right. And um, so it, it, that's really good advice that you've given, you've given people because that does matter, mm -hmm. um, you know, how you come across. You know, and and I and I would echo if you come across as calm, as you give your thoughts together, um, there's not necessarily be you know articulate, right? You know, yeah. the people that maybe it's a second language, but if you come across as a reliable source, you know, um, calm, and and you're citing the company rules or relevant law or or just making a good argument for why this is unfair, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, that can really help you know um, influence the company's decision how to handle. Um, your your complaint. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so much um, for all the work you do as an HR professional and as a human being, and for supporting our work here at Workplace Fairness. Um, it, it's really been a treat to um, speak with you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm a huge fan, and and I wish you guys every success. You're out there doing a lot of good things for people, and I appreciate it. So. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening today to our episode. Thanks for listening to the Worker Experience Podcast with your host, Edgar Jassy. This episode was produced by Alea Arison 
and edited by Hai Kun Wang. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Workplace Fairness, you can follow us on all major social media platforms. If you would like to donate to Workplace Fairness, please head to the link in the show notes or text write at 53555 to give. Thanks again and hope you tune in next time.